hello to you and welcome to the Richard Nichols podcast, the personal development podcast series that's here to help inspire, educate and motivate you to be the best you can be. I'm psychotherapist Richard Nichols and this is episode 165. It's titled Practice Doesn't Always Make Perfect. And if you're ready, we'll start the show. Hello, you beautiful people, and welcome to January, a new year, with new ideas, new prospects, a new you, if you like. What I would say is what was wrong with the old you? Was there something inherently unpleasant about the 2018 you that the 2019 you can leave behind? Because maybe we don't really need a new, maybe not even an improved you. Just still you, but a slightly different you. Long-term listeners will have already heard me go on about New Year's resolutions not always being a good idea. They do help some, but on the whole, New Year's resolutions are famous for being just a temporary idea, a January fad. Often people will say to me things like, I bet you'll be busy at work in January then, all the New Year's resolutions. And yes... January does start off quite busy, but that's because I've had two weeks off probably, and all my existing clients are then crammed into the same weeks. And although I do get new clients who are inspired by the line in the sand of a new year, it's nothing like February, when all those that have tried to make some changes are a month in, and can feel themselves giving up and need help. And it raises questions, doesn't it? Because... If the changes you make are something you actually want, then why would we feel like giving up? And that's what we look at when someone comes in for private therapy. We need to look, we, we have to look at what motivates us, what drives us, the direction of it. Are we moving away from something or towards something else? Are we, you know, away from pain? Are we moving away from pain and towards pleasure? Or is it just away from pain? Or is it just towards pleasure? Everyone's different. But one, one factor that's the same for everybody, I think, is patience. Because it takes a long time for something to become a habit. I've done loads of daft experiments on myself over the years to see how long it takes for something to feel automatic or natural. Cleaning my teeth with my left hand instead of my right. Uh, cutting sugar out of my tea and coffee. Taking milk out of my tea and coffee. Learning to like things that my wife likes to eat that I've never been particularly fussed with. Um, Cheese, prawns, coleslaw. And I did a a test with some bananas, which I've already spoken about on the podcast in the past, I'm sure. Well, I did. I did a whole episode all about bananas, rather bizarrely. That's that's in the list somewhere. Go and listen to that one. It's quite funny. Um, And all this repetition is a a pain in the arse, pardon me, because for something to become so natural that it takes no effort to make the choice then it needs a lot of repetition. And with me, it tends to be daily repetition for somewhere between a month and six weeks. Now, you you may be sooner, yours might be uh, less, but it may take longer. But what seems to make a huge influence with people is their original intention in the first place. When someone wants to lose weight... They often see the changes they need to make to make it happen as a temporary change. They intend to start on a diet for a few months until they're where they want to be. And then they don't need to go on a diet anymore. Now, two problems here. 
Firstly, all they'll do afterwards is go back to what they were eating before the diet, which led them to gain the weight in the first place, and then they're just yo-yo dieting for the whole blooming life. And secondly, because they knew it was only temporary anyway, the healthy choices never feel like a new habit. They don't stick. Even after a month, or six weeks, or three months, it's still hard work. And that's what attracts them to me, because I specialise in hypnosis, which helps to speed up the process of making something feel natural or automatic. And I'm so often reminded of the study that a man called Gary McPherson, I think he pronounced it McPherson, could have been McPherson, but I think it was McPherson, However, Gary, he did this in the late 1990s, and Gary was a professor at the University of New South Wales and had a passion for music. So he set out to investigate why some children, when they were learning an instrument, could progress quite quickly and others couldn't. So he did a nine-month study of 133 randomly selected children who were all about age eight. Uh, They were either seven, eight or nine they were all about to start to learn an instrument at school. And the study even started before the kid had even chosen their instrument. It started that, That's when they started videotaping them, interviews and things like that. He wanted to find out what the magic ingredients were. Get all of these kids learning an instrument, see which ones do well, and then figure out, out of those that do well, what were they all doing differently? What did they all have in common? with each other, but not with the ones that didn't do well? Was it related to their home life? Their IQ points? Was it simply how often they practised, or the time of day that they practised, or anything like that? And he had loads of really detailed interviews and videotapes of them practising to plough through. And after nine months, he got a lot of data. But there didn't seem to be any correlation between the children that showed great musical aptitude with anything else at all. Those successful kids, their IQs could all be different, their math skills, even their sense of rhythm. Their parents' income could all be different, their upbringing, their anxieties, not even how often they practised. They were all different. There was no correlation with anything at all. Apart from one thing... Right before they'd even started their first lesson, they were all asked how long they thought they'd be playing their instrument for. You know, it would be, would it be for a month? Would it be for a term? A year? Would it be for the rest of your life? And their answers could be broken down into three different time frames. They were classed as having either short-term commitment, medium-term commitment, and long-term commitment. And there was the correlation. Because those that were in the long-term commitment group outperformed the short-term group in musical aptitude by 400%. Musical aptitude can be measured using what's called the Watkins-Farnham Performance Scale, which, with 90 minutes of daily practice, had the short-term commitment kids scoring about 9. The medium-term committers scored 15 and the kids that said they'd play forever even before they'd even had a single lesson scored 35 i went through that a bit quick let me run those numbers past you again short term five medium term 15 long term 35 a completely different 
musical ability compared to the half-hearted short-term kids. Yet they all put in an hour and a half per day of practice. So actually, practice doesn't necessarily mean a better outcome. It does make a big difference though, because even the the long-term commitment kids who only had the opportunity to do 20 minutes of practice each day, they only scored about 13, which is still higher than the short-term commitment children who did 90 minutes. So practice doesn't make perfect unless you've got a long-term commitment to doing something. And this applies to everything that we're learning, whether it's the guitar or it's learning to make healthy food choices, or wanting to make it second nature to choose to walk rather than drive, or whatever. An expectation of it being a temporary thing means that the brain doesn't let it become a habit. It's probably inefficient. Why would it? We're not going to do this forever. Why make it stick? That's what the brain does. But in order for something to feel appropriate, to be a part of your life forever, it needs to be something that's sustainable. And a diet won't do that. Going to the gym every morning before work might not do that. It might be sustainable for some, but if you need a middle ground between doing too little exercise and doing too much, an amount that you can integrate into your life forever, then in a month or so's time, it will feel natural to you. That's just how the brain works. Given the right circumstances, practice does make perfect. If you want to learn to play the guitar, you practice every day probably an hour a day, and you know that you can't do it yet. You're already at the beginning, so you get a book, you start at page one, which is usually how to play Kumbaya, because it's only three chords, D, E, and A. I did this, and you practice and practice and practice until you've got those three chords perfect. And then you move on to Old Lang Syne. And if you keep... <laughs> Old Lang Syne. If you keep, it is, it's true. That's the next page of the book. If you keep at it in the same way, moving up as you improve, then within a year, you'll have all the muscle memory you need to play almost any chord without thinking about it. It's muscle memory. That's what we call it, isn't it? Muscle memory. Yet, truly... Our muscles don't really have any memories, do they? It's our brain that sends the signals to our muscles. Muscles are as useful as a puppet is without its strings. So what does muscle memory mean then? To me, it's about making something unconscious. The final stage of competence. The final stage of learning. It's commonly said that there are four stages of competence. One, unconscious incompetence. You're so out of touch with the problem, you don't even know that you can't do it yet. Two, conscious incompetence. Now you know that you can't do it. That's where most people probably begin with. Three, conscious competence. You now know how to do it. It just takes a lot of conscious effort. And then four, unconscious competence. You can do it and you don't even need to think about it anymore. It's become second nature to you. And this process of how the brain does this can be applied to probably anything. Whether it's learning to play Kumbaya, Old Lang Syne, uh, learning to leave food on your plate, learning to see the positive outcomes of a difficult situation, learning to deal with emotion in a better way, learning not to self-harm. What my clients are ultimately looking for is to learn something new and unlearn something old. Because if unwanted behaviour is at stage four, 
then it's outside of conscious awareness. The signals in the brain have moved too quickly for the consciousness to have noticed and it's too late. They've already shoved in the extra chips that were on their plate. They've already taken the escalator instead of the steps or they've already taken a Stanley blade into the bathroom to slice away at their arm. When the pain in their body is the only distraction they've got to deal with the pain in the mind. And people will say that they don't even know that they're doing it. So if someone gets angry and shouts and screams and throws ashtrays at the wall or whatever, and the only the only answer they've got to the question, why did I do that, is because it felt right at the time, then the reason it feels right is because of familiarity. Because that's what always happens. So it becomes a skill, a habit. It's become unconscious competence. And to make a new behaviour unconscious takes the right combination of repetition and attitude. And that's going to be different for everyone. So be careful with these fad diets or sudden changes in lifestyle and find what will work for you. Not just now, but forever. And if you need some help with that, then find a therapist who specialises in solution-focused approaches, like a hypnotherapist, and have some sessions that can help inspire you. And if that seems like too great an investment in yourself, and I, I get it if it is, we tend to charge around the same as it would cost for a woman to have a colour cut and blow dry. And depending on where you live, that's going to be anywhere between 50 quid and 100 quid per session, which I know sounds like a lot, but it's worth the investment because it makes a great difference. Although, there are plenty of free podcasts that can inspire and help you too, as well as low-cost hypnosis downloads and things, so there's no excuse. Well, before I go, I want to mention that I've been asked to take part in a Facebook live stream on Friday, January the 11th at 10am, it's on the Facebook page of a coach, Emma Hillman, at facebook.com slash eaglecoach. And we'll be talking about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and how it can be treated. If it's something you'd like to see, don't worry if you can't watch it live. It'll be on her Facebook page to view forever anyway. But it's on Friday the 11th at 10am if you want to see it live. By the way, I mentioned this last month, but it's all systems go now, so I'll mention it again. I'm making weekly episodes now just for paid patrons of the podcast. It's $7 per month through Patreon, who only work in US dollars, bizarrely. They don't do an international thing, but hey-ho, they're pretty popular, so I've got no choice but to use them, really, because that's what everybody does. But I'll monitor the value of the pound, and I'll keep it at around the £5 mark, which in the next 12 months might end up only being about $3. So my uh, international fans, uh, they might get a right bargain after Brexit, so I'll keep my eye on it. But there will also be, if anybody wants, a $1 donation level too. Because I've had some contact, I've had some emails from listeners that have said they want to support a monthly podcast, but they don't want anything in return other than what you're already getting for free, the monthly one. They don't want weekly ones, but they still want to give me money. So thank you. If that's you, you can chuck me a dollar each month through Patreon and it really will be appreciated. Thank you, genuinely. I'm not making that up. It's appreciated. But if you want more, if you want more episodes, then it's going to be around a fiver. And what do you get for your five quid? I hear you ask. Especially as that's much cheaper than it would be to see a therapist one-to-one or have your hair coloured and cut. Well, I'm going to be as generous as I can and give you whatever time I've got, 
but I'm definitely, definitely 100% making an episode every Monday morning for you. I'll also give you access to all my previous episodes, so you'll instantly get an extra, I don't know, 60, 70 episodes before we even start, which is great for new listeners who might have missed out when I removed them from the public feed in years gone by. And I'm going to make some meditation and specific hypnosis tracks as well just for you, because there is so much research that shows the benefits of doing that, especially when the content is quite specific. Um, As I said earlier, what hypnosis seems to do is speed up that learning process that I was talking about earlier from stage two or three, where you know what you've got to do, but you just either can't do it or you find it hard to do it. It moves it up to unconscious competence where you can do it and it's natural. Just from closing your eyes, getting comfy and tricking your brain into thinking about something as if it's real, even though you know it's a daydream. I've said this a hundred times before, so I I know you know this, but I'll say it a hundred and first. The brain doesn't know the difference between fact and fiction. If you think about coughing, it'll make you cough. If you watch somebody hurt themselves, it'll make you wince. And by using that to our advantage... You can trick your brain into acting as if you always leave food on your plate. As if you always make healthy choices. You always handle confrontations with your boss well or whatever it is that you'd like me to make for you. Because if you let me know what personal development or mental health topics are important to you, I'll make sure that I make appropriate content for you. So, become a patron by following the links at richardnichols.net or you can go straight to it at patreon.com forward slash richardnichols. And let's make 2019 the line in the sand that moves you on to being the best you can be. Speak to you again soon, folks. Bye!